Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Ideas for this podcast come from a lot of different sources. Recently, I was talking with a group of ministry leaders that I help coach into ministry effectiveness, and they asked me this simple question. Can ministry leaders be good friends with church members? Well, that's a loaded question. My short answer is yes and no. (laughs) It's not a black and white answer. So let's see if we can explore some of the issues related to friendships between ministry leaders, meaning pastors, associate pastors, worship pastors, youth pastors, and other ministry leaders, and the members of the church they're trying to lead. First of all, Jesus modeled for us having friendships and being friendly with people in your ministry circle and in your circle of influence. For example, the Bible says that Jesus was friends with tax collectors and sinners in Matthew 11. The Bible says that Jesus called his disciples friends in John 15. And Jesus definitely set the example of being both friendly and friends with many people. He was traveling with people, eating with people, weeping with people, laughing with people. He went to their weddings, their funerals, their dinner parties. Jesus was friendly and had friends. And he had close relationships, even within a tight circle of people who ministered around him and with him. So, following that example, we might say, well, of course, yes, ministry leaders can be friends with church members. But the parallel of Jesus with his disciples and followers to the contemporary church setting, particularly in North America, is not exactly a one-to-one comparison. So, while we can see the principle of Jesus being applicable, we're going to need to talk a little bit about how to actually do that in a healthy way in our context. So if I were answering the question, yes, it's possible to be friends with church members, I would point out some of these reasons why uh, that's not only desirable, but natural. First of all, being part of a church community means developing meaningful relationships. Being part of a church community is about developing meaningful relationships. That's not just member to member. That's also member to leader and leader to member. I think back to my first pastorate. I was young. I was growing. There were many difficulties. I was trying to find myself both as a young pastor and as a young husband and as a young father and just all the demands and struggles and challenges of life. And into that context stepped a man named Rick Loft. Rick was my friend. He was a member of the church. He was on the pastor search committee that called me to the church. He ultimately switched over and became an employee of our church for a season. But he was mostly, through all of that, my friend. We developed a very meaningful relationship in which he was both supportive of me, sometimes confrontive of me, 
But that relationship kept me going during some of those early years, knowing that I had a friend, a person that really believed in me, a person who was sharing the work of our church with me, a person who cared enough about me to encourage me and sometimes correct me. What a friend. So being part of a church community is about meaningful relationships. And so, of course, you're going to have some people that will emerge like that as real friends. Rick Loft remained my friend for 40 years. In fact, just this year, I was able to speak at his memorial service when he passed away. And I reflected on four decades of his friendship that all started when I was his pastor and he was a member of a church that actually asked me to come and take that responsibility. Another reason why friendships with church members is significant is because sharing Christian experiences really deepens relationships. For example, going on mission trips together deepens relationships. Being involved in church projects together deepens relationships. Sharing spiritual victories in a church deepens relationships. And let me also say, going through conflicts, difficulties, heartaches, all of these shared Christian experiences deepen relationships. For years, I carried a picture in my wallet of my oldest son when he was about four years old holding up the first fish he ever caught. It was about the size of a minnow. Why would I carry such a photograph? Because that photograph was taken on the first mission trip that he ever participated in as a young boy. And on that trip, we were with some families from our church. And one of those families, the Ruckman family, they've been our friends also for 40 years. Why did we have such a deep bond with them? Because we did things together like mission trips. I remember on that particular trip, we worked in over 100 degree heat, putting the insulation in the ceiling of a new auditorium that was being constructed. And I remember how difficult that was, that insulation dropping down on our necks, the heat, the uh, the uh, the uncomfortable con- circumstances, being up on those lifts and up on those scaffolding, and then getting off and going out in the parking lot and just literally hosing ourselves down to try to get the sticky uh, insulation off of us and get the sweat off of us and get the uh, just get 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 cooled down enough to keep working. You know that kind of shared experience it bonds you with people that you do that with. So naturally, those kind of bonding moments deepen friendships. And then I'd also say that in the context of church relationships, sometimes profound relationships emerge. This happened uh, for us when we moved again to our first church. Uh, We moved there and pretty soon after Ann had our first child and then another child and then another child and we were far away from our biological families And our families, in some cases, weren't that supportive of us spiritually, and in other cases, just weren't able to be that supportive emotionally. 
But in that first church, there was a couple, Casey and Doris Deshawn. And they became surrogate grandparents to our children, and they became really models for us about what it meant to be Christian family. As we watched them interface with their adult children and with their grandchildren and how they reached out and cared for our grandchildren as well, we had a profound relationship that developed. Years later, it was my privilege to speak at Casey Deshawn's memorial service and Doris's as well. It was my privilege to be invited when Doris was near the end of life by her son to come and uh, spend the night with him as he stayed up through the night caring for his mother, sharing that be- that meaningful, profound experience together. Listen, friendships with church members can be rich and meaningful because we're part of a church community that's built on relationship. We share ministry experiences together positively and negatively that deepen our emotional connections with each other. And we're in a context where profound relationships can emerge that really become life-shaping relationships for us. Now, having focused on these positive aspects, now let me shift, though, and talk about some of the negative realities or some of the limitations that are always part of these leader-member relationships. The first one is this. Remember, the reality that these relationships are always unequal. If you're a pastor, or in my case, a president, you're always the pastor and the president. It really doesn't matter if uh, you're playing Uno, or if you're sitting in a deacon's meeting, or if you're fishing at the lake. (laughs) It doesn't matter where you are. You're always the pastor. You're always the president. You are always the employee, and your church members are always your employer. Now, I'm not saying that these factors prohibit relationships from developing. No, I've already talked about the profound and important and meaningful ways these relationships can develop. I'm just talking now about one of the limitations you have to keep in mind. One of the limitations is these relationships are always unequal. There's always a pastor-member dynamic going on. There's always a president-employee dynamic going on. In your case, in church context, there's an employer-employee concept occurring. So the reality is these relationships always have an unequal component. A second limitation on these relationships is the reality of ministerial information. What I mean by this is the information that you have as a ministry leader, that information can be uh, about the total work of your church related to its finances, its programming, its strategy. But ministerial information also encompasses the personal information you know about church members. What you know about your friends, what you might be tempted to share with your friends about other members of your church, what might accidentally come out when you forget for a moment 
that you're actually in the presence of some church members that you think of as your friends, but then you forget that they're really still just church members as well as your friends. I know I've had this happen to me a couple of times. One time is in my mind right now where I said something and I cringed when it came out of my mouth because I thought that was totally inappropriate in this context. I was revealing something that I knew that I shouldn't be talking about, but because I was talking about people that were good friends, that were trustworthy people, that I had come to depend on and know and to value, I let it slip out. And immediately I knew I'd made a mistake because I was divulging a confidence of another church member that had no business being talked about in that particular setting or context where I was that day. Listen, it can happen almost uh, accidentally or without you intending it because, again, there's this emotional connection. You're part of a meaningful relationship, maybe even a profound relationship. And in the context of conversation, you find yourself spilling something out, and then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. The reality of having to hold on to what I'll call ministerial information and recognizing that there are certain limits or boundaries or barriers that cannot be broken, no matter how good friends you are in a congregation, just simply can't be shared. And then a third limitation or a problem that often develops in these kind of relationships is the problem of too much time devoted to specific friends. Now, this can be real or imagined. It can be a real or imagined slight of other members who either perceive or observe you spending too much time with certain friends, certain members, to the exclusion of others. So, for example, if you find yourself having frequent meals, frequent events, or frequent trips with certain people because they're your friends, to the exclusion of so many who may not be, this can create problems. It can create accusations of partiality or favoritism. It can raise issues about jealousy. But it can also raise legitimate concerns. You may be spending too much time with a smaller group of people than you really should be if you're going to effectively lead a congregation. You may be sharing too much information with a smaller group of people, information you should not be sharing that needs to be held in a tighter uh, confidence. So I'm just saying that when you think about this problem of time devoted to specific people, whether it's real or imagined, it can be a legitimate problem as well as one that reveals the ugly side of people. Now, having laid out uh, this overall perspective, now let me finish up with some best practices in leader-member relationships. Best practices. Number one, in developing relationships with church members as a ministry leader, be friendly with everyone. Be friendly. You don't get to play favorites. Now, I realize there are some church members that are prickly, some that are difficult, some that are, frankly, a pain, some that you don't feel particularly drawn to or wouldn't want to be marooned on a deserted island with. I get all that. But you have a ministerial, pastoral responsibility 
to be friendly, to extend yourself relationally to people you are responsible to lead spiritually. So be friendly. But in the context of being friendly, recognize you will not be friends with everyone. You're not going to develop what you would call a meaningful friendship with every church member. But that does not mean you cannot approach church members from a friendly perspective. Second, be careful with information you share with church friends. Be very careful with information you share with church friends. You need to have a need-to-know attitude about people in your congregation. You can't fall into the trap of sharing information because it makes you look good or it makes you feel good or it justifies your position on something or it increases the people who are loyal to or devoted to you or your perspective on a problem. You can't get caught up in that. And you absolutely cannot find yourself revealing information that would damage another person or would harm another person or would in any way cast negative light on them if what they told you in confidence was shared outside the circle of that relationship. This is a discipline that every ministry leader has to master. The discipline of maintaining both personal and professional information and sharing it only with people who have a need on a need-to-know basis. Let me give you just one example. Here at the seminary, for example, when we have a personnel difficulty, uh, I will talk with the vice president, who's the ultimate supervisor uh, in that particular area of the seminary. I will do that one-on-one. I will not do that in a meeting where the four vice presidents are sitting around a table. You say, well, they're all vice presidents. They are. But there is no need for them to know about the employment difficulty we're having with one particular employee. The only vice president who needs to know about that and talk about it with me is the supervising vice president. That's what I mean by being disciplined to share information on a need-to-know basis. There's, there's no uh, reason to share this kind of information in any kind of a group setting or a group context. Now, obviously, if you're talking about a church problem that involves uh, all the leaders around a table, like all of your elders or all of your deacons or all of your Sunday school teachers, sure, you can share it in that kind of context. But here I'm talking about the kind of information that doesn't need to be shared with everyone, but does need to be shared with someone. Make sure it's shared only on a need-to-know basis. So a best practice in leader-member relationships, number one, be friendly with everyone, but Recognize you won't be friends with everyone. Second, be careful with information, both personal and professional, that you share with church friends. Everyone has to operate on a need-to-know basis. Third, be careful about friend information you post on social media. And I would go on to say, Be careful about the amount of time you talk about friend stories in public context, like sermons or illustrations or Bible studies or places like that. So, for example, 
you have a particular couple that you really like to spend time with in your church and they become your really good friends and you post every week on Facebook about them and about seeing them and about going out with them and about having dinner with them, about taking them to lunch, about meeting them for coffee, friend, 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 friend. And this is constantly in your social media. And 50 other couples in your church look at that and say, I wonder why he never calls me. Now, Am I telling you, well, you can't have a friend? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you don't have to talk about it every day on social media. You don't have to mention it every week in a sermon or in a sermon illustration. You don't have to constantly drop about, well, when I was having coffee with Fred or when I was having coffee with Sarah, you don't have to constantly be talking about this because it only creates the illusion that you really don't have any other relationships going on because that's the only one or the primary one you want to focus on, talk about, post about, etc., So be careful about this kind of friend information that you post on social media. And then beyond that, be careful about the kind of information you post there. So if you're posting about a friend that you have and you're posting inside jokes and you're posting uh, insider information and you're posting things that, that only the two of you know about or maybe only a small circle would know about, again, you're telling the larger group of people who are watching that they are somehow excluded from this relationship. So you want to be careful about that, careful about the kind of information you post that you talk about, that you advertise about your relationships. And then number four, be wise about the amount of time you're spending with any particular friends and making sure that you're balancing that appropriately with the amount of time you need to spend with other people in your ministry context. I know how hard it is to meet with all kinds of people. You say, well, I just want to meet with my friends. I, I just want to hang out with people that like me. I just want to go where I'm, I'm uh, going to be appreciated. Man, I get that. But if that's the only people you're with and the only people that you advertise, talk about, and share that you're spending time with, it doesn't take long for people to recognize I'm not included. Now, I learned this lesson a painful way and found a solution to it that proved to pay some significant dividends when I was a young pastor. When I was in my very first church, um, I had two problems working against me. One, I, I wasn't really doing a good job of being friendly with the bulk of my church members, many of whom I just really had a hard time even understanding or connecting with or anything like that. And then... The second problem I had was I had a few people in the church that I really connected strongly with. They were more my age, more my perspective on life and on different things, and that was a lot easier for me to connect with them. And I started getting some pushback. And I can only imagine if if I had lived back then in a social media era how much more pushback I would have received. And Ann and I were talking about this problem, and she said, you know, Jeff, you just need to take more initiative to spend more time with more people. And I said, Ann, I... I don't even know how to do that. She said, well, let's just have some people over. Well, you know me. I can't just have some people over, so I have to make a strategic plan about it. So we mapped out, okay, over the next so many weeks, let's say 40 weeks uh, of this year, if we set aside one night a week to have people over and we we invited four to six couples at a time, we could invite, if we had 40 weeks of four to five couples, we could invite 200 couples to come to our house. Well, we don't even have 200 couples our families in our church, but we know some won't come. Some will come more than once. But if we make this good faith effort, we're going to make a lot of connections. So we set aside one night a week, and that was our half people overnight. And we would tell people, uh, we want you to come over for a light 
uh, snack type supper and 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 games that we're going to play and just sit around and talk and play some simple games. And I would think about who was coming and I would try to come up with something to do. And we did a lot of the same things over and over again. It wasn't like a new thing every time. And some of the people didn't really want to play games. They weren't really into game type people. But we would say, hey, just come over. We're going to have some light refreshments, uh, a light snack supper. And we're going to, um, you know, play some games, sit around, talk and visit and get to know each other better. To our great surprise, people came. People came. We would, every week, we'd just uh, get on the phone and start calling until we had four or five that would come. And we had a whole list of all the people in our church. And we just kept going down the list. And some of the people we never had over, we hardly ever knew, but we'd invite them anyway. And we were surprised who came. And that year was a great year of breakthrough for me because I still spent some time with just my friends. As I've already mentioned on this call or on this podcast, uh, there were some really great people that I spent more time with because they did become really good friends of mine. But I really worked hard that year at being friendly with a lot of people and trying to, at least for one evening, really be engaged in what they were saying and learning about their lives and listening to their stories and talking about their families. And in doing that, I saw a real breakthrough in the way I related to so many people in our church. So I was wise about my use of time. Yes, I still spent time with a few people more than I did anyone else because they were good friends. But I also worked really hard at making sure that I was reaching out to and connecting with a whole lot of different people, not just my favorites as it was perceived. Number five. Now, shifting away from members and leaders, let me think. Let me ask you to think about doing this, and that is, as a ministry leader, develop your closest friendships with other ministry leaders. That's why I advocate so often that you make friends with other pastors, other ministry leaders like youth pastors or worship pastors in your community, that you have some friends that are other ministry leaders more than depending on your own church members to meet that friendship need in your life. Man, I've got two or three people right now that are ministry leaders in other organizations, and I pick up the phone and call them, and we vent to each other and share life with each other and occasionally get together and maybe even sometimes get together with our wives. Man, that's a lifeline for me. So while I've had close friendships with my people in my ministry organization, and I have some good friends here at Gateway, my more transparent friendships, my deepest friendships are actually with ministry leaders in other organizations. And then also, number six, develop close friendships with previous church members. Some of my most enriching relationships still today were friendships I made in my first pastorate of young guys and young couples just like us. And we've all grown up together. Now we're senior adults, but you know what? We've grown up together and we share that life together. And then when I moved to Oregon and planted the church and then became the state executive and started working with pastors there, some of those relationships are still some of the most meaningful relationships in my life. Because these relationships were forged, as I said earlier, in the reality of uh, uh being in community together, in the reality of sharing Christian ministry experiences together, and these profound relationships developed. But as I moved away from those organizations where I was no longer the pastor or the president or the leader and moved into a different role, those people and I stayed in relationship to each other. And now we truly do just have a friendship that has endured over the time. So develop close friendships, but hold on to those. And with previous church members, previous employees, previous constituents in my in my, in my context, Don't be afraid to hold on to those as some of your most meaningful friendships. And then, finally, I would say, number seven, if you do develop close friendships with current members, do it with objectivity and accountability. 
Just don't become too enamored with that relationship to the point that you forget all the cautions I've given you on this podcast. I do believe that you can be friends with church members. I've done it. I've seen the good in it. I've seen how it's profoundly shaped my life and how rich it's made my life as I've matured and those relationships have stayed with me over the decades. I believe you can do it. But if you don't maintain some boundaries, some realistic expectations about the relationships, if you're not careful about information, if you're not wise about the publicity you give the relationships, if you're not careful about how much you talk about and what you talk about as a, as a part of those relationships, if you don't have objectivity and accountability, a good sense of boundary and a good sense of presence about those relationships, they can become toxic, not only for you, but for your church or your organization. So, yes, the question that started this podcast, can ministry leaders be friends with church members? Yes, that's the answer. But a yes with conditions. So that you keep in mind some of these issues and you carefully manage these relationships so that they are productive and not destructive in your ministry context. This is just another challenge of being a ministry leader Take this counsel, put it into practice as you lead on.